Hi everyone, welcome to the Curiosity Cast, a place where we explore a variety of topics, meet interesting people, and follow our curiosity wherever it takes us. I'm your host, Allie Merrill, and thanks for tuning in. So this week I want to do things a little bit differently because there was something that happened a few weeks ago that was very timely for an episode that I had recorded about four years ago. I recorded this episode in plans to do a bigger podcast about it and then that never happened. So here we are and I'm going to share it with you now. Um, This episode is recorded with Dale Nitzel. He is a blogger and a treasure hunter, you could call him, and documentarian. He is a very interesting person and he runs the blog for all the treasure hunters looking for Forest Fen's treasure. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, Forest Fen is a art collector who lives in the Santa Fe area and he about 10 years ago hid a treasure chest full of treasure that's worth I think over a million dollars is what it was worth when he hid it and he wrote a poem with clues so that people could find this treasure so people have been looking thousands of people thousands and thousands of people have been looking for over 10 years for this There's been lots of news stories about it and hype and controversy as well, as some people have died looking for it, although he has repeatedly said that he was 80 years old when he hit it and it's, you shouldn't have to scale walls to get to it. So anyways, it's been such an interesting story to follow and I had really wanted to do a podcast, a full series on who are these treasure hunters, who are these people that are going out looking and spending a lot of time and money doing that. So I decided to start with interviewing Dale, who runs the blog that is all about treasure hunting for this specific treasure, and people talk about their clues and their solutions or lack of solutions, obviously. Um, And they just, it's this community online that has formed around this treasure. So I was fascinated by it, wanted to do more on it, but Anyways, here we are. If you're wondering what the event was that happened a few weeks ago, the treasure has actually been found. So here we are. We're doing a treasure hunting podcast about a treasure that has just been found. So don't go out looking for it. But if you are still interested in it and learning more, this is a really interesting episode. And Dale has kind of a funny story about how he met Forrest in the first place when he started doing the hunt. Um... And it's interesting that his blog has sort of become the place to talk about it. So if you want more info, I'll have the blog at the end of this episode that you can go and check that out. Without any further ado, let's get started. And I'll share a little bit more at the end about any current updates and news articles and that sort of thing that I've found about the treasure because a little bit more has been released since they found it. Here's Dale. Thanks for taking some time out to (laughs) talk over the phone with me. Yeah, sure. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So would you mind just kind of starting out telling me a little bit about yourself, where you live, and the work that you do now? I manage a very small television station in Bellingham, Washington. And uh, I have uh, been in, in the video production and television business since I was 18 years old. Uh, I started out as a cameraman for the, uh, as a motion picture cameraman for the Marines uh, in 1966, right after high school, and uh, 
did that for four years and, and got out and went to college and uh, stayed in, in television and have been doing that ever since. I've never really stopped. I've never really done anything else except for treasure hunting. I got involved with uh, Creighton Fenn, who is a, a, a diver and a salvage expert and a side-scan sonar expert um, years and years ago. And uh, he's been involved in many treasure hunting projects, and I've gone along with him on a few of them. How did you get started doing the treasure hunting, not even Forrest Fenn's treasure, but what you're talking about? So uh, I was doing uh, contract work with CNN uh, Science, and one of the stories I came up with was a story for uh, on a on a group here in, in Washington State that were looking for um, a casino safe that had gone down on a boat in uh, about 1920, I think. I can't really remember. But that was during Prohibition, and it was a time when you couldn't drink and you couldn't, so, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't uh, uh, go out dancing and drinking like, like folks do now, but folks still wanted to. So uh, the way that worked was you could get on a boat and go out 15 miles in the boat and uh, out beyond uh, the limit. And, and then you could, they could open up the bar and you could gamble and drink and dance and have a good time. And then everybody would come back on the boat. And as soon as you got back within 15 miles, the bar would close, the casino would close. And so, so these, these boats were, were pretty popular. And this particular boat was coming back into Puget Sound uh, through the Strait of Juan de Fuca and in the middle of the night and, and, and hit another boat and sunk pretty quickly. So what made this whole thing interesting was that uh, since this was a, a casino boat, it had a casino safe. Now back in the 1920s, folks didn't gamble with chips like they do now. Uh, they gambled with gold coins. In the United States, we had gold coinage. And folks used those rather than chips. So the casino safe, so that they could hand out gold coins, was full of gold coins. And that's what everybody wanted to find, was this safe, the casino safe, that would have been full of gold coins. So that's what this group was looking for. But they, what made it interesting to CNN was that they were using a new technology called saturation diving, which allowed them to stay down. Now, this, this safe, this shipwreck, was down over 300 feet. So that's, I mean, if you, if you were to don your scuba diving gear and, and, and go down and dive on this thing, you'd have, oh, I don't know, maybe a minute and a half, couple minutes down on the bottom. That's not time enough to explore. And... The chances of you getting narked or otherwise uh, um, uh, damaged while you were down there were pretty great. In fact, that would be an illegal dive in many countries. So uh, saturation diving allowed you to stay down on that boat uh, while you were diving for days if you wanted to. I mean, you, the only reason you had to come back up was in order to eat or go to the bathroom. and. It was set up so that you didn't really have to come up. You, you came up to 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 the barge where there was a, a, a domicile that looked a lot like, um, oh, a, a kind of a a pet uh, habitat, and 
it was all kept at the pressure at 300 feet so that you never left the 300 foot pressure even though you were back up on top of the barge again. And so this is why, since you weren't coming back up, you could stay down there forever and ever and ever uh, unless you needed something. So that's what this was all about, and we were recording that saturation diving and the experience and how these guys were using it. And it, it had been used to do things like build bridges and, and, and industrial and commercial diving, but no one had been using it at that point for something as, uh, as entertaining as treasure hunting. Yeah. So, it, so did they ever find it? Did they ever find the treasure? No, they never found the casino safe uh, down there. But they found lots of interesting goodies, and and I can <laughs> I can remember uh, one of one of the things that the the divers would would go down into the into the ship, and and, and they were attached by cables, so they had to be pretty careful how they moved around. But uh, and and of course they were wearing all this bulky gear and uh and when we heard them their voices were all squeaky and, and because they were on a mixed gas uh so they were they would they would communicate with us back up on the barge and i was recording obviously what was going on with the crew but i also had a recorder on their microphones and they had cameras on their helmets and all kinds of stuff and it was it was a pretty good it was a pretty good uh job of uh of covering this event and 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 uh uh, I remember at one point we were listening to one of the divers down there and he got back he climbed back up into his bell and so we also had a camera in the bell so we could see him wide angle and and he's sitting there in his seat in the bell and he's taking off his gloves and he says I got something to show you and he said oh you know what what, what have you got and he's taking off his glove and he took out uh, a wedding ring a little tiny wedding ring that he had found on the floor and said, "Why didn't Why didn't you tell us that when you found it?" And and he said, "Because I thought I would lose it, and then then everybody would be mad at me." <laughs> so, so he he brought he brought up. So we found or they found they found lots of things down there while they were while they were. But they never did find the casino safe. The whole big safe they didn't find, but they found lots of other things. People had to leave in the middle of the night. I mean, this thing hit another ship and it started sinking. People didn't even have time to grab what was on the bed, you know, on the bed table next to them. They just ran. And so there were lots of things in that boat. But the casino safe remains unfound. So, wow, that is crazy. I never knew about those casino boats. Uh, people definitely get creative, that's for sure. So do you think that's kind of what started your interest in just, or maybe sparked your interest in looking for treasure in general? Well, yeah. See, what happened was these guys were not particularly interested in having a cameraman aboard. They were not particularly interested in having a, a news story about what they were doing. Um, but what happened is after CNN got the story and of course the story went out on the air, why all of a sudden there was a lot of interest in what they were doing and a lot of these people were willing to invest money. So all of a sudden I was their new best friend <laughs> because I gave them access to all kinds of new investors that they never had before. 
And so they kept inviting me back. Well, there was only so many stories you could do on CNN <laughs> about the saturation diving. So we started being inventive. And I started covering them as treasure hunting stories. And we started doing, we did a small series on Discovery Channel. Uh, I think it was a three-part series and, and some other things. At any rate, uh, uh, we, we got more publicity. And, and finally, they just got tired of having me hang around. And they said, well, why don't you just... Why don't you just become a crew member and, you know, document what we're doing? And I said, okay. So, I mean, you know, that sounded like fun to me. So I did that. I did that. Uh, So I I hung out with them for a while, and we went out, and we we did a number of different uh, treasure hunting adventures, which was great fun. And then one day they, they had the big adventure, which was down in Uruguay. And we spent five years down in Uruguay on and off. Uh, looking for Spanish galleons, and uh, and then we we formed a, or one of the guys Creighton again Creighton Fenn formed uh, a company that would use all this technology that they had. They had tremendous amount of technology, and they knew how to use it: side scan, sonar, magnet, uh, magnetometers, and and they could use that to help find folks who were who had drowned and the bodies could not be recovered. And so Creighton started using this technology and volunteered his services to organizations and families principally who had lost family members and the the usual and uh, sources couldn't recover the bodies for whatever reason, they couldn't find the bodies. And this this often happens, uh, but the the family wants closure. They want to know that you know that what what happened, and and so recovering the body is often very important to the family. So we would Creighton and I would travel all over the country and up into Canada looking for looking for uh, helping folks recover bodies uh, with with this equipment, and uh, and that evolved into uh, finding other things. We began being called to find uh, World War II aircraft that had been lost and other things that were valuable but uh, were underwater and lost. And so we got a reputation for finding these things, being able to find them. And uh, we began getting hired by lots of different folks to go find things. What great work to be able to do to go from working with CNN and then to work with these divers. Yeah. And, and one of the one of the best ones was up in Canada, uh, a World War II aircraft, uh, B-17 bomber made, you know, here in, in uh, Seattle uh, during the war. There were 30, I think 33,000 of those aircraft made. There's about I think there's less than 10 of them left. Uh, and most of those are static displays. They're hung on wires in museums or they're, you know, uh, cemented to the ground out in front of airports somewhere. Uh, very few of them are in flyable condition. There's a couple of them. Memphis Bell is one that, that still flies. Uh, and a, a fellow who uh, who had some money and had, had some luck recovering some other aircraft wanted us to see if we could uh, come along and help him find one that had uh, landed on the ice up in uh, northern Canada when it was looking for Goose Bay. This was right after the war. And uh, and and it had landed on, it ran out of gas, got into a storm, lost its way, uh, landed on ice on a lake, and uh, 
and of course, when the, the the crew was recovered, they 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 got out of there. The ar army came and got them out of there. But the plane stayed. And of course, when spring came, the ice melted and the plane sunk. But it was in fresh water, and fresh water uh, does a pretty good job of preserving uh, things. So uh, they this guy wanted to find uh, this aircraft. The wings alone on this aircraft would be worth a million dollars a piece to collectors. So uh, it was worth quite a bit. And this guy had done some research. He figured he knew where the plane was. And so we went up there to look for it. Uh, and uh, and we eventually found it, but not anywhere near where we thought it was all going to be. And it was pretty fun. So that was a, a, a couple of week long expedition where the Canadian government w wouldn't let us just go back there and look. We had to hire uh, uh, natives in, in order to uh, be guides for us. They prepared our meals for us. They guided us around the lake. I mean, there was nobody else there. It was, it was the middle of nowhere. And the only thing we had for company was uh, mosquitoes, as far as I remember. Man, you've done a lot in your life that I would have had no idea about. It's all fun. You know, I mean, that's what life is for, right? You're supposed to enjoy it. So you take, you take opportunities and you try not to say no too often. But you know, you know about that, you know, you know what, you know what it's about, you know, that, that's, that's, you know, everybody wants, wants an opportunity to have an adventure. So tell me then about how you started looking for Fenn's treasure. How you, how did you initially hear about it? Well, you may have noticed that the person I'm hanging out with and doing all this with is a guy by the name of Creighton Fenn. Now Creighton turns out to be Forrest Fenn's nephew. So when Creighton and I were in Uruguay, uh, uh, Creighton would often let his uncle Forrest know what he was doing. So I, I became familiar with, with Forrest. I'd never met him, but I became familiar with him as a, a member of, of Creighton's family. Uh, Creighton's father had, had died, which was Forrest's brother, had died when Creighton was a, a, a young teenager. And so Forrest and Creighton were pretty close. And so when things were going on, and besides that, Forrest was a collector of things, and he was, a, a, you know, an, an advocate of archaeology and anthropology. And so um, uh, this stuff interested Forrest, what Creighton was doing as we were out there looking for Spanish galleons and collecting uh, interesting uh, artifacts under the, under the water. Uh, this also appealed to Forrest. And so Creighton would write back Forrest via email and let him know what we were doing and tell him about the day's adventures and what was frustrating and what was going on. So I, I got to hear about Forrest and I got to find out what Forrest was up to and, and things like that. And, and so I, I became familiar with Forrest, although I hadn't met him. And, and when I got, after we were finished with, uh, with Uruguay, I, I, I started kind of following Forrest because he had a website and he had some of these incredible things that Forrest had collected over the years that were on his website that were for sale. I mean, these were amazing artifacts. And of course, they were way out of my price range. I mean, you know, he had objects there for $35,000, dollars $50,000. But, but nonetheless, they were beautiful pictures and they were fun to look at and I would, I would peruse through through Forrest's website. So every once in a while, I, I would go to Forrest's website and take a look. And then one day, I, I noticed that uh, Forrest had a, put up on his website a poem and 
the fact that he had hidden a treasure somewhere and the poem would lead us to it. All we had to do was figure out the poem. And that's how I found out about Forrest's treasure. He posted it first on his website. So you, you saw it pretty much from, almost from the point that it was posted and started. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think he started it in the fall of 2010, so that would have been around September, October. And that was the same time his book came out. I ordered his book. I, you know, I, I spent that winter. I knew it was too late to go up in, into the mountains at that point. And besides, I didn't have a clue you know, what, what the poem meant. Um, so I, sp I spent the winter formulating a solution. And of course, when spring came in May, I, uh, I was all ready. I knew exactly where the treasure was and I was ready to go out there and go get it and collect it. And so in May, I left and, uh, and, and I went uh, knowing, and I, I mean, I have to tell you all the drive all the way, I knew it was in New Mexico. I knew precisely where it was. I just had to go get it. And uh, all the way out there, I was thinking how I was going to spend, you know, a million dollars and what I could possibly do with all that. And I was all completely excited about it. And, of course, I got out there and, of course, I was nowhere. I mean, the treasure wasn't there, I, or at least I didn't find it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and But I was hooked. I mean, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I had never been out hiking in New Mexico before. And I had a great time. And it was really enjoyable. And it was lovely. And, and uh it was spectacular scenery, and it was a fun adventure. And and I'm I'm the I'm the kind of guy who likes to have um, a purpose when I go out. I, I'm not the kind of person who just wants to hike just for the heck of it. But if I'm if I if I'm out there and somebody says or to me, listen, I really need you to get some photographs of this or I need some footage of that. If I have a purpose, I have a good time. But if I'm not focused, I I'm just. I'm just like, boy, this is a lot of work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say a, a however many million dollar treasure seems like a, a worthy purpose, <laughs> or at least a motivating oh, yeah. one. Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 uh, I I had decided to email Forrest while I was while I was out there the first time and and let him know that I was looking, but I knew that Forrest would recognize my name. I have an unusual name and, and I figured he would think that I was cheating by asking Creighton, you know, where the heck this thing could be. So I didn't want to let Forrest know exactly who I was. So I made up a name and I made up an email account and, and, and I told him I was Mike and I was from Michigan. And so Cray, or Forrest and I were, were, you know, were corresponding. He thinking that I was Mike from Michigan and, and, uh, and everything was fine, and and we were having a good time. You know, he wrote right back. He'd tell me, where'd you go today, and what did you do, and what did you see? And I would tell him where I was, and he would say things like, you know, you're, he would be very encouraging. He would say things like, you're just the kind of guy who could find my treasure, you know, stuff like that. Never letting, but, you know, it would make you think, maybe I'm in the right place, you know. <laughs> and he even, you know, so it was encouraging stuff, but, uh, you know, he didn't give me any hints or clues. He didn't say I was way off or I was in the wrong place or anything like that, you know, but we were having fun, you know, just corresponding. And I was I was probably one of the very first people out there looking for his treasure. And and I, I doubt that I was the first, but I was certainly one of the first. I mean, it was I mean, I must have been one of the first. He was still willing to communicate with me on a regular basis. Which, you know, now that there's thousands and thousands of people out there looking, he can't do that anymore. Um, 
but but it was fun and and when i was finished uh, he said you know hey next time you're in in santa fe you know uh, or you're around santa fe come on by and we'll go have a cup of hot chocolate somewhere and i said okay so i i went home and and uh licked my wounds and tried to figure out where i went wrong and with the poem and one day forrest gave me a, sent me an email and he said listen there's one of the TV stations out here wants to do a story about this. Uh, would you be willing to be the searcher? Come on, come on, you know, come back out here and be a searcher. And I said, sure. I, I was planning on going back anyway, you know. So that August, that following August, so it's now a few months later, I went out again, and I, I had been communicating with this uh, cameraman uh, producer in in Albuquerque by the name of Gotti, and. Uh, and I, but I was communicating it with him as Mike from Michigan too, and and uh, and he said, well, you know, where, where are you going to be? You know, and so we agreed to meet at you know, oh, dark thirty in the morning, someplace where I, I had figured out I wanted to look. And being Dale and always trying to be thorough, I got out there a couple days ahead of time and looked in this spot to begin with and decided that it was a useless spot and there was no way I was going to take Gotti back in here. You know, I mean, this was just stupid. So I I found another spot to, 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 uh, to search with him. And in the meantime, on the way out there, I'm thinking, well, now what am I going to do about being Michael, you know, from, from Michigan? I said, you know, I can't, I, I don't know if I want to be on television and pretend to be Mike from, from Michigan. So, uh, you know, I, th this, isn't, this isn't a good idea. So I, I tried to figure out how I was going to do all this, and I couldn't, I couldn't really figure it out. So when, at O'Dark 30, when I met the Gotti at the, at the, at the agreed-upon place, I pulled up behind him. Uh, where he was parked on the side of the road, and he was getting out his camera gear and uh, from the trunk of his car. And I uh, pulled up behind him, and he turned around and looked at me, and he looked right at my license plate. And, of course, my license plate's from Washington, not from Michigan. And and, and I could see, I could see, you know, I, I mean, I could just see the calculator <laughs> in his brain going round and round. And and I got out of the car, and he said, uh, your, your vehicle's not from Michigan. And I said, no. I said, Gotti, you and I, we have to have a talk, let's go in and get a cup of coffee. So we, we went into a nearby little town, into a cafe and stopped and, and, and had a cup, cup of coffee and, and, and talked about it. And I told him, you know, I told him the story and I told him all about it. And he thought that was great and he wanted that as part of his story. And I said, well, okay, but, you know, I don't want Forrest to find out that I've been lying to him on the news. So you you got to you got to give me you know a, a day here to meet up with Forrest and and let him know, and he said sure I can do that. So I got hold of Forrest via email and I said Forrest I'm back I'm back in town now. Uh, how about uh, can we have that cup of hot chocolate together? And he said sure let's meet at the bookstore in Santa Fe. So I went into Santa Fe and met with Forrest and shook his hand and sat down at a table with him and I looked him straight in the eye and I said, Forrest, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not who you think I am. And I could see that he was not happy about this and he didn't know what I meant. And I explained to him what was going on and why I did this and, and, you know, and the deal about him thinking that maybe I was cheating by talking with Creighton. And when I was finished talking, he just looked at me and he broke out in a big smile and he started laughing. He said, you can talk, you can you can talk to Creighton. Creighton doesn't know where this is at. You and Creighton ought to go looking together. That's pretty funny. 
And so we got along just fine after that. That was it was not a problem for anybody, and he he understood, and and everything was good. And 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 Forrest and I are friends to this day. That's awesome. So that after that first trip, then you went home and and you had to kind of reevaluate where you were going to search next. But you knew you were going to keep searching. You didn't give up because Washington is a long way from New Mexico. Yeah. Well, I think I I looked in. I looked a couple more times in uh, in uh, New Mexico, but I just wasn't satisfied with any of the places I was looking. I mean, it's one thing to break out a map and look at a place. It's you know, it's and and look at it on Google, but it's an entirely different thing. Oftentimes, when you get there, the terrain is different. It's often crummier than you thought. It's not as it's not the beautiful, picturesque place that you imagined it was going to be. You remember, you know, this this was a place that Forrest was going to was planning to be end his life when he had when he thought he was dying of cancer. He was going to go to this spot, and this was going to be the you know his 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 last place on earth. So you know, for me, that meant that it had to be a beautiful, pretty place. I mean, some place where you'd you'd want to you'd want to to be your last view of Earth, and and a lot of times these places where I was ending up were, were, they weren't the kind of place I certainly would want to be my last view of, of the world. And so I, I, was, I was just losing a lot of faith in, 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 in New Mexico to begin with. And, and as it turned out, you know, I, I mean, I was looking in all the wrong places in New Mexico anyway. But that's where the clues led me. You know, that's what I was trying as, as to me, the poem is a map and you start at one place and then you go to the next place in the poem and the next place and the next place and the next place. It's a set of directions. And and I was following them as best as I could. But I was I was interpreting them really wrong. And I probably still am. But I mean, I haven't found it yet. But but I lost faith in in it being in New Mexico for a number of reasons. One being that I I just wasn't happy in any of the places I was looking in, and and two uh, I I just started thinking that that this place had to be someplace other than New Mexico because of Forrest's history. And and so that's when I moved up to uh, Montana and Wyoming, and. And since I, I don't remember exactly how many trips I made into New Mexico, but probably in the neighborhood of 25 or 30 before I finally decided I was in the wrong spot. And, and, and then I moved uh, up to Wyoming and New Mexico. And since then, I've put in another 40 or 45 trips um, up, in, up in the area that I'm in. And I feel much more confident about the area that I'm in now doesn't mean I found it and I'm, I'm, I'm still haven't obviously gone all the way through the clues on the poem I can't you know I'm stopped at a certain point I can't figure out exactly what the next thing would be uh, I don't know where the next direction is and 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 sometimes I that what that means is uh, once again I, I started in the wrong place or I took a wrong turn somewhere I didn't follow it you know, it doesn't make any difference whether I can make the poem work. What may, what makes it what, the important thing is you have to get into Forrest's head and figure out what he meant when he wrote this poem, when he wrote this set of directions. And so the poem, anybody can make the poem work. I could make it work in downtown Seattle if I wanted to, but that, uh, you know, that, that, 
and that and that's the trick about the poem is it can work in a lot of places but that doesn't mean it's the right work <laughs> and so and and so the idea is not just to make it work but to make it work the way Forrest intended it to work and and that's the trick and that's what nobody's been able to do so far is 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 get into get into Forrest's head and figure out what he meant by these directions and they're they're they seem clear but then they also seem kind of vague at the same time and i mean if you've made over 60 searches it seems like there's endless possibilities of where it could be and what each clue could mean oh absolutely uh the, i mean uh, you know i run a blog and on this blog we get anywhere from well, right now i'm getting about 800 hits an hour and 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 later on in the summer, uh, when when things are really good, we'll, we'll get up to fifteen, sixteen hundred hits in an hour. And and not many of these people. I mean, I, I think ten percent or so of these people actually leave comments every day, or write stories about their solutions. But if you if you if you know if you go to the blog and you start reading the stories that people publish, you'll realize that, I mean, there are an infinite there are infinite ways for this poem to be unpuzzled but there's only one correct way and so far nobody has figured out the correct way and you know you'll you'll read some of these solutions and you'll say that's crazy you know why would anybody even for a moment think that but you know imagination is really an important and critical part of figuring this out and so it's you know it's it's it may seem a little wacky to you but you know, that's only because you're not using your imagination. <laughs> so do you have any favorite searches that you've been on? Any favorite trips? Oh, my gosh, yes. You know, and it's all, it's not just about the searches themselves. It's the characters. I mean, uh, you know, I, I've met, I've met so many people. I've seen so many different things. Uh, you know, I've, I've met a couple of uh, folks uh, who, who I, I, I just have dearly, I mean, you know, I'm a storyteller. Uh, that that's what I, I've done all my life is, is, you know, tell stories about people, and and so for me to meet characters is is a, is a lot of fun. And I've met a ton load of characters, as you can well imagine. Uh, this 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 uh, treasure hunt. It's America's great treasure hunt, and it collects characters. Believe me, it collects characters like you wouldn't believe. Like you, you, you know, <laughs> and and mo many of them are on the blog. Many of them write me. Many of them invite me to come along with them, or they, or or they they want to show me something. And, and for for a while, I was I was doing that, or sometimes I still will if it's if it's if it's interesting enough. But um, I have to tell you, the characters out there are just incredible. I, I was in a cafe. I stopped in Montana one day in the in the fall. I was looking. I was on a search, and I stopped in a cafe to get some breakfast, I believe. Yeah, and the guy across from me, you know, was sitting in a booth, and he had the thrill of the chase out in front of him. I mean, the book. And and I thought, well, there's a searcher over there. You know, I figure out a way to go over there and sidle up next to him, figure out what he's doing. And so I grabbed my coat before the waitress came over. I grabbed my coat, and I, he was sitting in a booth all by himself. So I 
just threw my coat in, in his booth and I sat down across from him and I said, say, the waitress said this place is pretty crowded. And it was. And, it, it, you know, is it okay if I sit here? And he said, oh, yeah, it's fine, fine. And so we just started talking and, and uh, I said, hey, I, you know, you, I see you've got the thrill of the chase there. Da, da, da. Are you looking for the treasure? And he, yeah, yeah, I'm looking for the treasure. He said, my, my church sent me out here. I said, your church sent you out here? And he said, yeah. He said, uh, uh, my parishioners felt this might be a good way to raise some money for the church. So, uh, and, and they figured out uh, where, where it's at and they sent me out to come and get it. I said, well, that's pretty weird. <laughs> well, I didn't say that, but I was thinking, you know, that's pretty weird, but this is cool. This is a great story. You know, this is going to be fun. So I, I, anyway, I, you know, I'm talking to the guy and, and I, what kind of a church is this? You know, what, what kind of a church are you, are, do you have? And, and he said, oh, you know, that it, it, it's a, I think he was from Kansas, I think. And his church was a drive up window church, like a, an ATM. I mean, he had a number of these ATMs around the state and, and, and he was, and, and what you do is you, you, on Sunday, I, I guess you can go any day, but you know, particularly on Sunday, you know, you're in your pajamas, you throw the kids in the, in, in the car and, and, and you drive up to one of these things and you put uh, some money in or your credit card, I'm not sure. And, and it charges you a, a, a small fee and you can watch uh, him on a video screen at, at the ATM and he gives a little he gives a little sermon and and uh, and uh, it spits out a, a piece of paper that's a, a prayer that you got you, that you, you and your family can say together and that's it you've been to church and <laughs> oh and oh and it, it it spritzes some water too some holy water I remember he said you can push a button and and it spritzes some holy water and I said well you know is this popular he said oh yeah he said this is pretty popular he said you know because a lot of people don't like to you know have to dress up to go to church they they can just stay in their pajamas and you know stay in their car and I thought, uh, <laughs> now, you know, I mean, I thought it was just amazing. And so we just started talking about religion in general. And I said, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, wh what, do you, what do you think about, he, he mentioned something about having been a Catholic at one point. And so I said, oh, well, well, you know, what do you think about the Catholicism and, you know, this, all the, all the, the talk on about, you know, um, maybe the Pope some is going to, you know, allow women into the sanctuary and maybe women priests. And, and he said, yeah, he said, uh, uh, that's, that's the reason I got out of the Catholic uh, Church. And I said, uh, really? Uh, he said, yeah. He said, uh, you know, they said there's a lot of women in the Catholic Church that feel they could be priests and could adequately represent the, the church and Jesus Christ. And they just you know, feel like the church is just, you know, not, not going to allow them to participate ever. And he, and I said, I said, you know, a lot of women, he said, I am one. And I, I stopped and I looked at him, you know, I said, what do you mean? <laughs> he said, he said, I, I was, he said, I was a woman, uh, long, long, long for, you know, I was a woman for 28 years or something like that. And, uh, finally gave up on the Catholic church ever allowing me to be a, a priest. And, and, and uh, that was, you know, I, I had no idea. It never occurred to me. <laughs> right. 
but you know, I mean, so f these are adventures, and these are, this is this is America, and it's just great fun to get out there and mix around. And this is what happens with with you when you when you meet people who 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 are you know, kind of. I mean, I guess that's what clubs are all about, and that's what the Lions and the rest of those organizations, I've never been in any of those organizations, but it's kind of the same thing. It gives you an opportunity to get out there and, and meet the world, you know? And, and I've met lots of other people, too, out there searching, and we've had a good time, and every year now, for the past four years, we've had a Fenbury. and so we all go out camping together. Uh, not all of us, I mean, there's only... A, 75 or 100 of us who show up at, uh, out there in New Mexico and we we camp and we exchange stories and we burn marshmallows over a forest fire or, or over a campfire at night and forest forest comes out to say hi and uh, and tell stories and uh, and we you know we just have a good time and, and 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 it's fun it's enjoyable and none of us have ever found the treasure but yet we're all suspicious that the person we're talking to is going to find it because they have a good idea that they're not willing to share with us. Right. And, and it's just a lot of fun, and we all get together, and there's lots of rich people out there looking, and there are lots of poor people who are out there looking. There are people who are disabled, who can't go out and look, and they, they uh, team up with somebody who's able-bodied, who wants to go look, and so one person has the idea for the solution, and the other person has the legs to go and look for it and do the work, and they team up, and they decide they'll split the treasure 50-50 if they find it. You know, I mean, there's there's just no end to the way that, that people are going out and looking. Last year at Fenbury, there was a couple from New Zealand who came. Uh, I On my blog, I have people from Germany, Japan, uh, uh Australia, there's a really wonderful blogger who's on there from Australia, and he's trying to figure out where it's at. We've had people from Australia. We've had people from England come out and look. I mean, folks come from all over the world to look for Forrest's treasure. Uh, at one point, this was several years ago, New Mexico, the New Mexico Tourism Board gave Forrest an award for, for you know, I mean, because he was drawing so many people into the state just to look for his treasure. What a fun thing for Forrest to have kind of at the, not the end of his life, but in his retirement phase. And it must be an interesting process to kind of have this amount, much contact with people and to have put this out there is a huge deal. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with how good-natured Forrest is about all of it. Because along with all the good, there's always bad. And, and there are people out there who've threatened him, who've threatened his family, who have, you know, broken into his, his yard, climbed his wall and his fence to get into his, you know, yard and, and, and try to... And there are people who are just out to do damage. They just hate him because of what he's done. And there's also sadness. I mean, we've had... We lost one searcher uh who died uh looking for the treasure um needlessly uh because he he never should have been out in the place he was at you know Forrest has told us over and over again that it, it's not in a dangerous place and you know uh, a 79 or 80 year old guy you know hit it so you have to be thinking about that when you go looking for it you know you're you're not going to have to rappel off a cliff you're not going to have to climb up a sheer wall to get to it you're not going to have to put yourself in danger to get to it so 
So, you know, he's intended this to be fun for families. He wants families to go out and look for it. He wants kids to get out into the woods and, and the mountains and have fun and explore. He wants them to get off their couch and away from their video games. And do you think that's that's happened? Oh, sure. I, we see stories all the time from folks who they write Forrest thank you letters. Dear, you know, dear Forrest, thank you so much. You, you know, I... Uh, for getting my family uh, out into the mountains. We had a great time. We really explored. Single moms. I mean, we, he's received numerous letters from single moms who say, you know, I was looking for a way to bond with my son, and boy, this treasure hunt has just been terrific. We really are enjoying it, and we're having a good time. Uh, he, gets, he, gets, he gets letters from folks who say, you know, things like, uh, my brother and I haven't talked for 30 years. We heard about your treasure hunt. We decided to get together and go out there in Wyoming and look and we figured it out where it was of course we we didn't we didn't we never found it but you know we had a great time and my brother and I are close again now and really thank you very much so yes there's wonderful stuff that goes on as a result of this absolutely when's your next trip planned well I'm going out to Fenbury at the uh, so I'll be leaving here on the 5th of June I think and I I don't think I'll be stopping along on the way. Uh, Fembury starts on the 8th. But afterwards, when Fembury's over, I'll be heading back up north again, and I'll take the long route home. And, and I, I, I have my new solution. I know exactly where it's at, and I'm just going to go and pick it up. Yeah. Right, yeah. Just You don't want to pick it up before you meet everyone. You really just have to wait till after the party. Well, I, I hate to show off, you know. I mean, I... <laughs> So do you, do you think you'll ever stop searching? Oh, I don't know. Uh, you know, it, uh, here's the thing, you know, it, it does, you know, there's a, well, that's a different story, but, you know, it does take a little bit of money. You know, if you're, if you're, if you don't have some money, you can't go search unless you happen to live in the mountains. But, you know, I mean, it, I got to get in my car. I got to put gas in it. I've got I've got to go out there for a few days. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, I, I have to spend money uh, in order to do this. Now, you don't have to spend thousands, but we have seen people who have w just gotten gold fever and have done the wrong things have ended up uh, getting in in serious financial trouble uh, trying to pursue this 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 thing i mean that's happened to a few people you know addictions happen a lot and you can get addicted to all kinds of things and some people get addicted to finding this treasure and i mean it's inevitable it's going to happen you can't stop it from happening to everybody not everyone is able to control themselves not everyone is able to say okay i'm just going to take you know this is going to be my vacation i'm going to go we're going to have a good time and i'm going to come home and you know I'll decide next year if I want to go again. Some people, you know, live in Chicago and get on a plane and fly out, and then the next week they get on a plane again and fly out, and the next week they do the same thing and the same thing, and pretty soon they're, you know, they're they're remortgaging their house so they can afford to go out again and again, and then pretty soon, you know, the relationship with their spouse is falling apart, and their kids think they're crazy, and they, you know, I, I mean, it, it it can go in a wrong direction if you're not if you're not if you're not careful how have you avoided becoming addicted yourself well it's uh, that's easy uh, you know i i can only spend the amount of money i have so for me it's simple when i can't afford to go out anymore i don't i but i can usually afford to 
to go out, you know, a, a couple times a year, and I and I and I generally do, and I have fun with it. I go out once with my wife, and I go out once on my own usually. And and when I go out with my wife, uh, she's not interested in in this kind of treasure hunting, so. W she'll let me off where I want to explore and then she'll drive to the nearest town and, and go uh, garage sailing and antiquing for her, you know, for the whole day and come back. Hunting for her own so treasure. That's right. She has her own treasure hunt to go on. And so she enjoys that. And, and, you know, uh, but so, so that's the way we do it. Uh, if, if I, if I, if I, st if I still had kids in the house, uh, the kids would come with me and they would be having a great time. They would think this was cool. And they, they would be s sitting, you know, sitting at home uh, at the kitchen table with maps in front of them and trying to figure this thing out. Uh, we've, had, we've had schools that have done it. It was a school in Tacoma, a middle school in Tacoma. And they, formed, they were using the poem to teach uh, in the English class to teach poetry. They were using it in the geography class to teach geography and after school the kids had a treasure hunting club and they were putting together a solution and w when summer came they sent the instructor out the teacher out to go look to use their solution and go look for the treasure and he did uh, you know he did uh, uh, reports back he you know he tweeted constantly and told him where he was and what he was doing and whether he was having any luck and what he saw and you know the kids were riveted by it and and so and I've talked to a number of, of, of folks uh, Skype who you know in to kids classrooms who have been interested in in, uh, in in looking for the treasure and and teachers are incorporating this I know that in Michigan they actually incorporated this into their reading comprehension uh, wow. Uh, course. They, they, one of the stories that they have kids read is about Forrest's Fen treasure uh, f for the comprehension test. Uh, you know, I mean, this, this is really and truly a big, big thing. I mean, it, it, isn't, it isn't just a small thing. It, I, I've got, I get email every day from people who say, listen, I just heard about this the other day, and I think it's fascinating. And so, and they, they spill out their solution to me and ask me what I think of it. You know, <laughs> I, I, get, I get a couple of those every day. Um, and, and, and every day we see new comments from new, from new folks on the blog. And, you know, that represents a very small percentage of the total amount of people who visit the blog every day. So would you have any advice for treasure hunters that are kind of just getting into it? What would you say? I'd say, oh, it's easy. Uh, you know, just don't do what I do and you, you might find it, you know. <laughs> don't go where you go because you've already gone there. Well, don't, don't go where I go because I obviously don't know anything because I can't figure out. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, the, the thing is for me is it's not just about the treasure. And, and I think that's the wise advice for anybody is, you know, the, you know, this is the lottery. What are the chances you're going to figure out the right solution? I mean, probably not very good. Somebody's going to figure it out someday, and, and, and it, why not? It could be you. But, but realistically, you know, you have to go out there for more than that reason. You have to enjoy yourself. It's fun. You have to explore. You have to have an adventure. You have to 
you have to really make it into a holiday. And 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 if you if you if you have that mindset, and you let yourself be focused on more than just the gold, uh, it's going to be a wonderful experience for you. And that sounds like that's what Forrest wanted for people to do, is to see it for more than the treasure, but to really just get outside and have that experience in nature and with their families. Oh, sure. That's what, you know, Forrest calls it the thrill of the chase. It's not called the thrill of the find. It's not called the thrill of the gold. It's called the thrill of the chase. It's the chase that is the adventure, that is the expedition, and that is fun. So this is usually where I would end the episode, but I wanted to share the poem with you as well as a few updates on the treasure itself. Here is the poem written by Forrest Fenn. As I have gone alone in there, and with my treasures bold, I can keep my secret where, and hint of riches new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt, and take it in the canyon down. Not far, but too far to walk. Put in below the home of Brown. From there it's no place for the meek. The end is ever drawing nigh. There'll be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down your quest to cease. But tarry scant with marvel gaze, just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave by trove for all to seek? The answers I already know. I've done it tired and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. So on June 6, 2020, Forrest submitted a post to Dale's website stating that the treasure has been found. So here's what he wrote. The treasure has been found. It was under a canopy of stars in the lush, forested vegetation of the Rocky Mountains and had not moved from the spot where I hid it more than ten years ago. I do not know the person who found it, but the poem in my book led him to the precise spot. I congratulate the thousands of people who participated in the search and hope they will continue to be drawn by the promise of other discoveries. So, the search is over. Look for more information and photos in the coming days. F. On June 16th, Forrest posted an update with some photos of the treasure chest because people were very skeptical that the treasure had actually been found and wanted proof. So he posted, the treasure chest was found by a man I did not know and had not communicated with since 2018. And then there are photos of the various objects of Forrest with the treasure and the chest as well as the treasure chest in the woods that looks pretty well worn since it's been there for about 10 years. Then Forrest goes on to say, the finder wants me to remain silent and I always said the finder gets to make those two calls, who and where, F. So if you go visit Dale's website, there are a whole list of news story links that you could probably find a ton more info about it. Forrest, I don't think he's done, I don't know if he's done any interviews, if if he has very few. Um, but if you want to learn more about the treasure and all that's happening, you should check those out. Dale's website is daleneetzel.com. That's D-A-L-N-E-I-T-Z-E-L.com. 
And I will have the link in the episode notes so that you can find that easily. I encourage you to go and look at this website. It's really interesting to see all of the treasure hunters that have posted and some of their ideas and clues and um, and just kind of learning more about this. It's not something that happens very often these days, and it's kind of nice to have a little bit of a distraction from everything else going on in the world right now. Anyways, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed hearing about this treasure hunt as much as I did. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Curiosity Cast. For more content and episodes, you can visit www.thecuriositycast.com or follow us on Instagram at thecuriositycast. Stay curious.